Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And I'm Brianna Jones. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater. How are you doing today, Andrew? I feel fantastic, uh, except for one thing, Jess. And I bet oh, you no. can't guess. I bet you can't guess what it is. Did your shadow fall off? No, I'm not a pirate. Oh, you want to be a pirate? I want to be a pirate. Like Why really do you bad. Be a pirate? Because <laughs> we just watched Peter Pan and this pirates in. I want to be fuck. I want to be Captain Hook. Peter Pan! <laughs> Cue the clip. Peter, can we really fly? Just think wonderful thoughts. Summer! Christmas! We're flying! The greatest musical adventure of all. 1999 Tony Award nominee, Best Musical Revival. Come on! Kathy Rigby is Peter Pan. Strictly limited engagement at Broadway's Gershwin Theater. Call Ticketmaster, 212-307-4100. Kathy Rigby is Peter Pan. Peter Pan is a musical with music mostly by um, Moose Charlap, with additional music by Jules Stein. And lyrics by, most of the lyrics were written by Carolyn Lee, with additional lyrics by Betty Condon and Adolph Green, with a book by Sir James M. Barry, based on Sir James M. Barry's play Peter Pan. It premiered on Broadway on October 20th of 1954 at the Winter Garden Theater, where it ran for a planned limited engagement of 152 performances, where it closed so it could be recorded, well, streamed live to the TV audiences all over the world on NBC. Um, it won Tony Awards for Best Performance by a Leading Actress in a Musical, Best Performance by a Featured Actor in a Musical, and Best Stage Technician, which I don't think exists as a Tony Award anymore, and it very well should. Those stage technicians, they work hard. Yes, they do. Um... The basic plot of Peter Pan is Peter and his mischievous fairy sidekick, Tinkerbell, visit the nursery of the darling children late one night Do we need with to a sprinkle this? of pixie dust. <laughs> a magical journey across the stars none of them will forget takes place. In the adventure of a lifetime, the travelers come face to face with a ticking crocodile, a fierce Native American tribe, They're, they a band live of in Neverland, pirates, though. and of course, the villainous Captain Hook. Andrew, what'd you think of Peter Pan? Do you like my cup, by the way? Oh, that is a nice cup. Uh, are they Native Americans if they if they live in uh, a star? That's like galaxies They are away? Native Starians, Native Neverlandians. I mean, at that point, if they call themselves Indians, maybe that's just what they call themselves, and it just is a huge coincidence that their culture exactly lines up with Native American culture. Uh, or at least the stereotype that we have of it. I mean, the argument could be made that this is, like, all in the children's heads, even though this vi this version specifically doesn't embrace that because they bring back the children from Neverland to be adopted by their parents. Okay, it, this version of it, it is explicitly real. The mother yes. and father characters see the shadow detached from Peter Pan, and the, they both are kind of fine with it. <laughs> They're just like, fine, <laughs> that's weird, wow, looks like a scoundrel. <laughs> it's like, you're not at all concerned that there is a detached shadow from, like, a person who is sneaking into your nursery? 
<laughs> okay, Andrew. Yeah. What is your relationship to the Peter Pan story? Because it is kind of ubiquitous at this point, whether okay. or not you like I've really seen, dive into it. I've seen the Disney one. I've ridden the ride at Disney World. <laughs> um, and I think that's actually about it. You've never seen any version? You've never seen Robin Williams' Hook? I think I have, but I literally can't remember it. All right, all right. Bree, what is your relationship with Peter Pan, if you have any? My relationship with the Peter Pan movie. I saw the movie when I was a kid. It wasn't my favorite. Was Uh, it the Disney animated one? It was the Disney animated one. Um, And then I think I was telling you earlier that my high school put on a performance of it. Um, Of the Disney movie? No, no. Of Peter Pan. Of this musical. Of this musical. Musical, Yeah. Uh, And that wasn't great. But I also don't really remember it because I was in the second grade. <laughs> um, and that's about it. I've seen Hook. Hook is good, right? Hook is really good. And, and Hook basically, as Spielberg, Spielberg was trying to make an adaptation of this musical. And then he got bored doing that and said, you know what? I'm going to make a sequel to this musical. <laughs> And that that's how we ended up with Hook, with very specific references to only this musical version of it. And fun fact, this is not even the only, like, stage musical version of it. Um, Leonard Bernstein, um, very famous composer and lyricist, did a version of it, which is not very good, that I listened to a lot when I was a kid. And still, as a kid, I was like, this isn't very good. Well, is any version of Peter Pan really that great? I guess maybe if you're arguing Hook, but... Hook is still not good, like, as, like, an idea. Like, it's a great movie, but it's still, like, has a lot of things, you know? I really just feel like Peter Pan... Peter Pan's been done dirty, you know? There's no version of Peter Pan that's, like, good. (laughs) Have you ever seen the 2003 version with Jason Isaacs as Hook, where he's, like, a badass actual murderer? See, I, I want to like that, but I feel like that sucks. Does it suck? No. No, I actually think it's pretty good. Oh, okay. See, I I want Hook to be kind of a badass murderer. I feel like Disney takes Hook and makes him like this, just an idiot. I I don't know. The Disney version sucks. This one, I kind of like Hook in this one. I really like all of Hook. I like all of this one. I think, in my opinion, this is the best version of Peter Pan, this specific musical. It is the iconic one. It's the one everyone remembers when they think of Peter Pan. This is it incarnate. I, I don't know. When I think of Peter Pan, I still think of the, the animated Disney film. But I don't I don't think so. Like, I think on a mass, like, when people think Peter Pan, they think of Mary Barton and the NBC Live telecast, which was the first NBC Live musical ever. So right. they did it, like, every couple of years live. Like, they went onto the stage, they performed in front of cameras, and it got streamed to homes everywhere as it was happening. And we have recordings of that. And they went from black and white to color TV. In fact, the live streams were part of the reason why color TVs became so ubiquitous in homes. Because you wanted to see the colors of Neverland and all that. And that was the original version of it. And then in 1979, Sandy Duncan had a Broadway revival, which was also very well received. And then in the 90s, you had this Kathy Rigby production, which is what you watched, which I loved as a kid. And I saw live and got to meet Kathy Rigby and was like one of my first theater experiences. And it was really fucking cool. I think as as a show for kids, this is actually uh, really good. Yes. Um, and I think that's um, interesting because most shows for kids are, are pretty bad. Um, I don't know. Or at least they're they're very much uh, critically panned. Uh, 
Whereas I, it, it seems like this one, maybe not. Oh, also, also, now that it's just hitting me, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. This is posting on Thanksgiving. Um, Wait, and really? I bet you're, bet you're wondering what this musical has to do with Thanksgiving. Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> I mean, there's there's Native Americans in it. Yeah, there are Native Americans in it. Happy yes. Thanksgiving, everyone. And pirates, which honestly, <laughs> pirates have a lot to do with Thanksgiving as well. Look into the history of it. Mm-hmm. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I'm, j- I'm actually just lying. Don't look at... Don't. <laughs> Chris Columbus was a pirate, if you think really hard about it. Uh, white slaver? <laughs> I mean, that's not, not a pirate. <laughs> actually, I think it is not a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, like you said, this is an actually really good musical for children. It doesn't take that many deviations from the Peter Pan story. It doesn't do anything, like, crazy insane with it. This is the ultimate classic musical in a way where it is actually timeless. There isn't those weird things that's like, oh, that's such a 50s musical thing. Okay, yeah, like, like uh, in other shows for kids, like like the SpongeBob musical, as much as we've said that that's it got more hate than it deserves, uh, 10 years from now, that's going to be, like, dated as fuck. Yes. <laughs> Name me another musical that still kind of works 60 years later. Oh, boy. I mean, everyone that we've talked about that's like 60 years old, there's so much stuff in it that's like, yikes. (laughs) (laughs) Oklahoma, Carousel. Okay, I mean, I guess let's just go right to it. There's a little bit of yikes in this one. Just a a tad. But I feel like (laughs) Peter Pan as itself has become so ubiquitous that you know about those yikes things in the content in of itself. And you really can't. How do you remove it? You know, I feel like you literally in other ones. It's like, man, this doesn't need to be here at all. But in this, it's like, I feel like you can't remove the yikes stuff from Peter Pan. Okay, how do you how like do you need, get we need the context of what the egg stuff is how do you get rid of the indians you can't i don't think you can i think you can hook and the movie hook outright ignores the fact that they exist <laughs> they that's, don't bring them up that's fair but that's also uh, not peter pan that's not a that's not the peter pan story that's hook it's a different thing mm-hmm. the 2014 um live telecast with allison Win- williams and christopher walken Try very hard to fix it. So they had someone from an Indian tribal nation come in as a consultant. They translated the entirety of the song Ugga Wug, which was... Which, yikes. Yikes. <laughs> was the original title and song for the Indians. Um, yeah. Um, and they translated it into Ohe, which is actually Indian, Native American like language. Well, which tribe, though? You know, who gets to decide what tribe? Yeah, that is fair. That Who gets to claim the tribe of the Neverlandians? Um, and we'll talk even further. Pan, which we've laughed about on this show many a times, about having literally a song, a Nirvana song in it. Oh, <laughs> that's what that one was. Yeah. <laughs> um, they literally just made all the Indians white people. Rooney Mara, literally the whitest of white human beings, plays yeah, Tiger uh, Lily. That's probably the worst way to go. Uh. And Peter and the Starcatcher made them just a multicultural, like, religious sect. That is what they... And I thought that was a really smart way to go around them. But yeah, I, I, see the the problem with the whole Indian thing is at this point 
it's it's like a uh, it's like a childhood cultural thing. Like even uh, what was that movie Parasite, where mm-hmm. the kid the kid was obsessed with with Indians. Uh, it, it, it's like it's like a different thing than Native Americans, but it's entirely racialized. So it sucks because uh, like pirates, pirates are just pirates. It's it's a it's it's a real thing that actually happened and was an actual culture. But it doesn't fucking matter because it wasn't racialized. It wasn't on racial lines in that way. But you can't do that with with Indians because uh, even even calling them Indians is kind of a, a racist thing. <laughs> I remember in the Disney movie, they literally referred to them as like slurs. Like they. Oh, oh the the Disney movie. The Disney movie is fucking. Like the fact that they allow the Disney movie and then they they go and they're like, oh, but Song of the South doesn't exist. Like, excuse me. Come on. (laughs) Literally, there's a song in the Disney movie called What Makes the Red Man Red. Yeah, uh, that is about as bad as it goes. Like, and you guys aren't going to acknowledge that uh, that that Song of the South exists, but you're going to you're just going to what makes the red man red. That's just fine. What's, uh, you know, put that out 50th anniversary. Jesus. <laughs> and the thing that makes this musical, um, this specific musical work, is the fact that the Indians are kind of like just in name only. They kind of feel like their own fairy tale thing. Well, yeah, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, it's very difficult for the them to remove the Indians because it's it's not they're not actually referencing native americans in any not actual way a history or a culture the 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 story itself is part of history and culture but it's not referencing the actual yeah history what they're actually referencing is the the thing that little kids dress up as and pretend to be right yes like little kids pretend to be lost boys uh little kids pretend to be pirates and little kids pretend to be indians and the only one that is actually a problem now, and, and to be fair, it probably should be a problem, but it, it's it's Indians because it's that's kind of racist, you know. It's it's like those were actual people that we kind of slaughtered. <laughs> we yeah, we wiped up their entire culture, took their culture away from them, invaded and destroyed it. Um, and then now we did that with have... pirates too, but we justify that because pirates are criminals. Uh... Well. <laughs> We also, another thing about, like, framing of the Indians in here. Um, They are not framed as evil, mean people or idiots or dumb. They are tacticians. They are smart. They are allies. It's it's not like a spaghetti western where the Indians are, like, savages. uh, Or Or even, like, Back to the Future Part 3 where they're just dumb. Yeah, it's like, that's not what they're going for. So, you know, it's it's difficult to overlook a song called, what, what was it, Uggawug? Uh, yeah yeah where it's just like okay well that's kind of racist because you're just saying that their language is basically just made up sounds uh all languages made up sounds for one that's true but like they're saying that like hey your language is so made up and and stupid that i'm not even gonna bother to understand it i'm just gonna make it up it's it's like saying like oh like chinese people ching chong like you know like that that's racist obviously (laughs) I mean, let's let's think about like the Mary Martin production, which was in the 50s. They have literal just white people wearing feathers on their head and called them Indians. Yeah. like So it's it's a thing that you have to separate from it. And uh, yeah, it's a difficult it's a it's a it's a difficult subject to tread. Um, 
I think the one the one that you mentioned went about it the best possible way, where they like actually got consultants from at least one of the uh, Native Tribes. American cultures, uh, and, and was like, "Hey, let's at least make this like actual words." <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit more about like the characterization a bit, especially of Peter Pan, because Peter Pan, I feel like our culture is co opted into good boy like cool the cool kid peter pan's not a good person no and the book very clearly represents him as not a good person an aloof person like in the book peter pan when the lost boys get older because peter pan is the only one that doesn't grow up he either takes them out and kills them because they got too old or they escape peter pan and become pirates it's peter's aloofness his, he's like Patrick Bateman. Literally, he is Patrick yeah. Bateman. Now, I kind of always interpreted, in a way, the pirates as being former Lost Boys. Because, like, where else do the pirates come from? You know, like, it doesn't make sense. And I know that it's supposed to be, like, Neverland, no one ages, but... Uh, I don't know, I never, I never really thought it made sense that these pirates are just kind of there. You know? I think... Yeah, I, I don't know, it just, it doesn't make sense. So it kind of has to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting because Peter Pan is a sociopath. He really is. Well, he, I mean, what, what, what would you call him in like a in like a Dungeons and Dragons game? He's like he's a lich or, or uh, like someone who seeks immortality uh, in a way. <laughs> yes. He also actively thinks he's the greatest guy in the world, and it's creepy. Like, you know, like literally and there's an entire song about how great he is. Um, I'm so awesome and I got to make noise about it. And yeah. everyone's like, you're being an asshole. And he's like, I don't give a care. I'm Peter Pan. I can do whatever I want. I'm so yeah. cool. Well, I think he's he's kind of like he's a he's a he's an actual little kid and little kids don't care about other people. Yes. And let's take a look at the Disney one. The Disney one has a little of that, but he's also responsible the Disney one, abso- he is just the hero. Like, that's it. Yes, he is hero boy. And in Hook, as much as I like Hook, and I think it's an okay movie, he's just a guy. And they never talk about his, like, deeply insane values held as a kid. And it would be one thing if he was just a kid, but he's like a kid that, like, murders people. Out Like, ooh, let, let's talk about... Let's talk about the story a bit. His his whole thing is he's a child that flies around with a dagger. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's like but, three defining traits of Peter Pan. He has the ability to fly, he doesn't age, and he has a dagger. <laughs> let's talk about all three acts, because this is a very rare three-act musical. Yeah. Honestly, you can't even really tell, I, I guess, unless you're looking for it. I don't know. Well, when you see it in a theater, there is an intermission, two intermissions. Which is probably good for little kids. Yeah. And this is a short musical. This is only like an hour and 45 minutes. It is super, super short. Yeah, but, you know, like, when you have children in the audience that are probably like I gotta go to the bathroom. Yeah, you know, it's a good idea. I I think that's a good idea. Um, But let's talk about Act 1, where basically Peter comes in, invades this house to get his shadow back, and just kidnaps three children. Don't don't forget, man. There's that big dog. Yeah, <laughs> Nana. They're they're yeah. they're nanny. Yeah, they have a they have a furry that takes care of their children, <laughs> um, and he lives 
the the furry lives in a doghouse inside their house. Um, I I liked the whole beginning part, except for when they find the shadow. I always thought that was weird. But how how does the mom find the shadow and is just like fine with it? <laughs> She's like a little bit worried, but she's like, oh, just someone's shadow, I guess. Let me put it in a drawer. <laughs> <laughs> well, the dad has to get to his business dinner. It, there's important things on the line. Yeah. I don't know. That was That's a little weird. <laughs> what about the part where Peter Pan just hears that um, Wendy's brother's kind of mean sometimes and fucking kicks him while he's dead asleep? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, Peter Pan's the hero. He's a real, like, uh, fucking white knight. <laughs> well, he, his goal is to get Wendy, is Wendy, right? Yeah, Wendy is the girl. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't remember if I was thinking of the, the daughter's name, the, like... That's Jane. Jane that's God. Jane. Okay, Peter Pan's entire goal is to bring a girl back to Neverland to be his mom. Yes. <laughs> everyone wants Wendy to be their mom the pirates want Wendy to be their mom it's really weird (laughs) Bree Bree will you be our mothers and knit us pockets and tell us stories yes boys (laughs) Wendy's totally fine with it too which is kind of the weirdest part I love having these boys look up to me and need me I love being needed isn't that like, what women are supposed to do? Grow up and be mommies? Yeah, but this they're not even growing up. They're they're just asking her to be a mommy right now. Yeah, literally be a mother. Also, I'm not I'm not quite sure that that is the only thing girls are supposed to do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was me but then he- making a joke. <laughs> no women jokes aren't allowed to make jokes. No yeah. jokes allowed. Women yeah, can't make do. jokes. They're not allowed to be comedians. Women aren't allowed to be funny. Not allowed. Neither are men. Neither. You know what? Jokes are over until we get this whole thing started. Jokes are canceled. No more comedy. I'm done with it. Oh, boy. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. So act one ends with the pretty cool effect of Peter flying all over the place. I think that looks really good. The flying looks fantastic. I don't know how they made it look so good. You can't see what they're hanging from at all. Like, it's... and, And, like, the way that they fly looks so natural. At least... You know, comparatively um, to what it could have looked like. <laughs> I think that's mostly because they chose very wisely with their choice in lead. Kathy Rigby, great singer. Like, you have to admit, like, her singing voice is top-notch. Um, and she's also a gymnast. She is very flexible and can do some pretty crazy things with her body. I like when when every one of them is flying and, like, the <laughs> only one that's really doing anything is, is, the, is the lead. Uh, Peter is Pan. Peter Pan. And, and kind of she's the only one that physically can yeah and, and the other ones are just kind of like ah uh, wow. <laughs> where she's like flipping the fuck around and bouncing <laughs> shit. um i want to say um i don't really want to use my time here to talk about this musical i was i have a nostalgic childhood feeling for and talk about the 2014 christopher walken allison williams travesty but uh. Alison Williams does her best there, but my god, she does not know how to handle the wire work. Like, she gets stuck upside down a couple times. <laughs> oh no! She does not know how to distribute her weight 
with those wires and such, so she, it comes off very badly for her. You would have thought they would have, like, trained more for that and, like, prepared better. Well, the thing is, no amount of training can really get you to do everything perfectly, unless you're, like, an Olympic, like, gymnast, the way that Kathy Rigby is. Okay. So, Act 2 um, is mostly about the pirates and the boys wanting to be um, have Wendy as a mother. Yes. And then a lot of Act 2 is just meandering around. But I want to talk about the scene where Tinkerbell convinces the Lost Boys to murder Wendy out of the sky. And then one of them thinks they've done it. And then Peter, as soon as he hears that Wendy dies, tries to murder one of the Lost Boys. I mean, these are a group of, of kids in the woods. Like, you yes. know, they don't, they don't have a mother. They, and so they don't understand that you can't murder people. Yeah, I mean, if you kill another person, you gotta die too. An eye for an eye. Look, if you don't have parents, you want to murder. We've all seen Annie. She <laughs> doesn't even have pupils in her eyes. There is no soul there. There's no love. There's no soul. I'm just kidding, of course. Um, why the fuck? Why the fuck did they listen to this little asshole fairy and try to kill someone? <laughs> it is weird that they want this female presence and then ignore Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell's not. She's a one person. of the dudes, man. She's not a person. She's a fairy. Do you believe in fairies, Andrew? I don't believe in fairies. I'm one just died. Oh! I actually do believe in fairies, but I like to murder them, so I say that as often as I can. <laughs> There's a scene in the 2003 Peter Pan movie where Hook comes across the fairy on a tree, says, "I don't believe." There's no such thing as fairies, and just squashes it. <laughs> It's, that movie's great, and everyone was a fucking sleep on that movie. That movie's great. God damn! I, now I want to watch that. What is that called? It's, it's just Peter, Peter Pan, Pan two thousand three. Jeez, how have I not heard of this movie? Like, it's pretty, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun movie, accurate to the book. Like, very very dark in some places. Good kids movie. What do you think of the Lost Boys in this in this musical? Um, I honestly don't have much of an opinion. <laughs> They have, like, these comedic <laughs> elements where they just talk to each other and it's meant to be hilarious. I don't think that they're very funny. And I don't, no. I don't really particularly remember any of them that well. <laughs> they're you all just the twin ones. You've got the yeah. soiled slightly, slightly soiled. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Uh, p uh, pissing and shitting yourself is not a character trait. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Neither is just being fat or being a twin. Being a twin is a character trait because that means but, that you have you're, you're either the good one or the evil one. So, but Andrew, we need to talk about how Hook tries to f like trick them into eating a cake. <laughs> That's his big plan. <laughs> Hook in this is great. Can we talk about Hook? Let's talk about Hook. I like Hook in this a lot. He he is the goofy version of Hook, which is fine. I don't hate the goofy version of Hook. Uh, which is which is like you know, he's just a little bit of a of a dummy. Um, but I think that I think that he is uh, fun and menacing enough that he actually has an impact. Right. And um, yeah. And this continues the trait of having the father character also play Hook as both like the. I think that's always a good like trait, and I feel like the only version that's ever not done that is the twenty fourteen. Um, Christopher Walken version where they just have the guy who played Smee played the father because they Christopher Walken couldn't be fucked. <laughs> Christopher Walken's like, yeah, I'm not. No. Have you I'm watched not... the clips of that, Andrew? 
Yeah, he's he's something. <laughs> he's 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 doing his best. Can we get some audio clips from that right now? They found a mother. Oh, it's nice to have a mother. Mm. Peter Pan has found a mother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The game is up. <laughs> All right, Chris. Man, that was cringeworthy, wasn't it? Chris, you you uh, you, you doing okay out there? <laughs> and literally, the line he was waiting for was, "The game is up." It's like the most cliche line in the entire show. And he's like, "Oh, what am I supposed to say? What what was it?" Oh. <laughs> Oh, mm, ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was what happened. <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> and that was people paid money to put that on. People put effort into that. <coughs> mm, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> act three, Andrew. Yeah. This is where they're, like, all in the pirate ship and they, like, try to kill the Lost Boys. You know, I actually was thinking to myself, like, is there going to be an actual pirate ship set? And then there was. <laughs> Were you happy about it? I was happy about it. See, I, I just, I really like pirates. You know, I think that they're cool. Um, Do you like the pirates in this musical? Like, when they're on screen, you're like, hell yeah, I'm into this. I, I have some fun with them, you know? I think that uh, Captain Hook is a poor representation of a pirate captain. Uh, we need better pirate representation in media. Um, I am I am coming out as a pirate, actually. I am a pirate. I'm proud of you for finally saying <laughs> I'm out of the I'm out of the uh, out of the crow's nest. There we are. He, he, came, <laughs> he came down from the crow's nest. Uh, <laughs> I think this is actually the best scenes in the show. It's on the pirate yeah. ship. Yeah. And I think the actual fight scene between Pan and Hook is pretty well done for, like, I think... stage fighting. Oh, yeah. There's some, like, fun fight stuff. I I think it's a little goofy, uh, the part where, like, uh, Peter's in the ship and he's, like, sending people in to die, essentially. <laughs> he fucking murders those people. He does. We don't see them again. They're dead. No, he fucking killed them. Yeah. No, 100%. Uh, we didn't talk about the do you believe in fairy scene where they turn to you, Andrew, and ask, oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Did you he, clap? I I didn't. I mean, I've already admitted that I try to kill as many fairies as possible, so I was actively <laughs> fighting the crowd. Um, obviously, my my words were not heard, though, since this happened in the past. Um. <laughs> my favorite is the live productions where they don't have an audience so it's just like yes yes keep clapping dead silence yes keep it going <laughs> it's like oh please please clap <laughs> Jeb Bush Peter's going full Jeb Bush <laughs> Peter turns to the audience please clap <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk a bit about how they bring home all the Lost Boys and just assume that their parents are going to fucking adopt them? And then they do? Yeah! <laughs> no! Fuck, get out in the streets! Go to the workhouses! Oh my god. <laughs> you want to be here so bad, I don't have to take care of you. Uh, that's what we have. 
workhouses for? <laughs> Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? <laughs> We're on that line between Christmas and Thanksgiving. So we, need, we need to start bringing in the Christmas material now. Oh, boy. They already got Christmas music on the radio. Come on. Ebenezer Scrooge. No, all they right. they adopt them all, and it's a very happy ending. It's like when Daddy Warbox adopts the entire orphanage at the end of Annie. That didn't happen. That, Wait, that did that doesn't happen in Annie? No. Oh my god, that's crazy. I thought Annie was like a masterpiece. <laughs> no, pr- President um, FDR says, We'll find houses for you and homes to adopt you all. Remember, the president made the promise. You guys have money to rent these homes, right? <laughs> oh, you don't? Get, on a, get out of my sight. <laughs> can't even get up to kick you <laughs> I won't be bothered <laughs> well yeah cause he's in a wheelchair no, he, was, he always pretended he wasn't though yeah I mean, well that musical will tell you differently he's just chilling in a wheelchair the entire musical doesn't daddy warbucks hate him I mean what do democrats eat shit yeah and most of the time it looks like let's talk about the <laughs> epilogue of this musical which I think is super fucked up with the epilogue yeah all right well why do you think it's so fucked up where peter comes back thinking it's been like a week but it's been like 60 years and he comes across an old lady wendy it's like oh yes. no you grew up without me and she's like i have a granddaughter and he's like i'm gonna take this bitch instead i think that this is the one of the best scenes because it shows the true peter pan it really does though like he does not <laughs> give a fuck about wendy as a person he gives a fuck about that mother figure in his he, life and only that he just wants his mommy and his mommy has to be underage i th- you you remember in <laughs> company the musical company where yep. the the plot line leads to them being like bobby you can't you're going to have to want to be with somebody not with just somebody yeah. That's Peter Pan. He's like Bobby. Like, he just wants a being there to be that mother figure. You're going to have to be with some buddy, not just some mommy. <laughs> if Peter Pan did grow up to be Robin Williams, does he have a mommy fetish? Uh, 100%. Yeah, he totally does. He, he watches so much incest porn. Like, that's what he does all his, day. His only category is stepmom porn. That's it. No, step is too far. It has to be real. It has to be blood oh, related. I feel like they don't have that as a category usually, but you never know. It's a little too risque unless you're living in Alabama. <laughs> then that's just your neighbors. <laughs> you get the binoculars out. You don't even have to go to Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who definitely doesn't watch porn? Uh, you? The New York Theater Critics! Um, we're about to go into our <laughs> next favorite segment, the best segment on this entire show. It's time for previews, where we get to compare our opinions with those of the New York Theater Critics. And for this one, we're, we've actually broken up a bit. We're gonna see from, like, the 1979 production all the way up to the most recent production. So, we've got a lot of ground to cover here, Bree. You know, there there's no Ben Brantley here, I've noticed. There is no Ben Brantley here. Did he have nothing That's to excellent. say? He did not say anything about this show. Huh. You know what they say, if you don't have anything positive to say, just don't say anything at all. Then obviously you're not Ben Brantley. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. The New York Times critic Walter Kerr says of the 1979 production, Peter Pan, for all that Mary Martin and television were able to make of it, was never exactly a landmark musical in Broadway history. 
It was a patch job. Be nice and call it a patchwork quilt. But there is trouble. In the long second act of three, it's simply this. Barry's plotting, my God, am I going to defend the plotting of Peter Pan and the little psychological contretemps that developed between Peter and Wendy have been ditched or mentioned cursorily and tossed away. Tossed aside in favor of production numbers created specifically for the other performers nearly 25 years ago. I found myself gradually neutralized except in mid-flight. You guys have anything to say about that? I get it. <laughs> I, I haven't, I didn't, is this production a particularly bad version of it, or no, is it just No, it was the kind of iconic lame. one of the 70s. It's basically the same production. So it's really just kind of the same thing. You got the, the bland middle half, though. Yeah, it's the exact same script and basic aesthetics. Which is, is honestly a bad thing when it comes to, to musicals, because usually they improve them over time. There was small improvements here and there, but more or less it was the same as the Mary Martin original one. You didn't see many big changes until the 90s when you brought right. Kathy Rigby, who basically played the role for 20 years. Well, not quite the 90s yet, but uh, here, here's uh, Mel Gussow in, in 1990 production here. Uh, Peter Pan is the musical that never grew up. It is locked in a time warp in which children can dream about breaking loose from their families and searching for lofty adventure, and adults can feel nostalgic about their lost dreams of childhood. When Peter Pan persuades Wendy's and her brothers to fly with him into the world of the Lost Boys in a Jerome Robbins aerial ballet, children in the audience may feel a similar surge to the open windows of experience. I, I wouldn't talk about children feeling a surge towards open windows, but... <laughs> <laughs> my thoughts exactly <laughs> that is such a weird that's the reason why i picked this specific excerpt it's such a weird like it's technically gonna be the most positive one we've got here but it just reads so creepy <laughs> it kind of reads like wow your children will want to die as they watch this <laughs> they're gonna uh, leap out the window <laughs> I kind of want to say the third one now because this sure. one is so such an anecdotal one. It's so weirdly like about this dude and his kids, and you never see that in the New York Times. Is this is this like a blue checkmark style review, like where it's just a like, little bit me and my five year old kid just. Oh my goodness, you'll never believe what they just said. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I'm gonna do this one, Bree, and I'll let you open in the end. New York Times critic Peter Mark says of the 1998 revival. It was during the Uggawug Indian number that the little girl in the rainbow-colored cardigan turned and flashed me an A-OK sign, so I knew she was a white supremacist. <laughs> no, this was 98. 98, not, uh, not 2000. Yeah, right. I might have been quick to suspect her as an audience planned by the Peter Pan public relations people, except she was my own daughter. My pleasure was being observed. My pleasure was observing their pleasure. For a parent, there are few experiences more exhilarating. And of course, it took me back a hundred years or so to the first time I saw Peter Pan. It was the grainy television version starring Mary Martin. And how wowed I was, not by a boy who could fly, but by one who had to have his shadow sewn on. This is the worst review we've ever had. Does he know... <laughs> Does he know he's trying? He's supposed to be reviewing the show that he's watching. <laughs> it's like he had nothing to say, so he just word vomited onto the paper and turned it in. 
that little girl was Albert Einstein. He doesn't even have. A, <laughs> he doesn't even have a daughter. <laughs> You'll never believe what my five-year-old just said. They turned just, to me and they said, <laughs> "Racism is only." Age old, and in the past we didn't used to have it. We can get rid of it again. My five-year-old said this. <laughs> My five-year-old turned to me, and she said, "I don't want a PS5 this year. I just want you to get me an LLC or something." And I'm like, "I'm so proud of you. You're growing up to be the." My five-year-old turned to me and she said, does Jesus touch himself? And I'm like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. My five-year-old My pleasure was just... her pleasure. My five-year-old daughter just came out as Albert Einstein. And I'm so proud. I'm so proud. She gave me the two okay signs as if to say, the white race is superior. <laughs> I say we just ended there. That's it. That's it. That's it. This was a great show. This, this is the worst review I think we've ever read. It's so insane. Can we start, can we start doing episodes like this where we're just like, oh yeah, Peter Pan, I was watching it and I and I turned and I saw a little girl and she gave me an A-OK sign. And man, it just reminded me of the time where I was riding on a rainbow cloud and, and I was just, oh, it was so lovely. And wow. <laughs> The best part is, is that it was during the Uggawug number <laughs> that she turned and gave the it's A-OK so sur- It's so surreal. <laughs> <laughs> the New York Times published that in, a, in an actual, like, newspaper, guys. It was during the Uggawug number that a little girl gave me the OK sign. <laughs> and a rainbow-colored cardigan. If that came out today, you'd be like, oh, man, there's little kids that are Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) I guess PewDiePie did radicalize him. Should that be our next shirt? (laughs) The little girl with the okay sign? Someone, please, please, someone draw this for us. Like someone out there who's very good at art, go out and draw this for us. We'll we need to see a, it. We'll put it on a shirt. We will. We will. We'll pay you for it. We need to see what this looks like. I feel like this whole review could be like a, a fucking 4chan meme or something. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter turned to me and said, why does the people hate President Trump? Don't they know that he's what God shows? And I cried. And I we was both so cried. proud. Dude, did you see that that video I sent you earlier on Twitter? <laughs> the girl made the TikTok and was crying. <laughs> and she turned to me and cried. What what's gonna happen to our Second Amendment rights? My oh five my year old. I'm so proud. <laughs> All right, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We're going. We we're, just gotta- gonna, we're just gonna leave. We're done. <laughs> hey guys, how about we go into a mid show announcement? Oh boy, mid show announcement. Yeah, sure thing. guys, today's show is brought to you by the extremely kind donations by our donors over at Patreon. Um, Patreon's this great place where we got a ton of 
free shit. Well, not free. You got to pay for it. We got a f- bunch of stuff for you guys to check out. We got a Muppets podcast. We got the entirety of Fossey Verdon as a podcast. We got commentaries for all of December. We're going to have a new video every week, like our new commentary you know every week. You know what's really great about our Patreon? When what? when you donate to it, a little girl in a rainbow cardigan sweater, <laughs> as you're watching any of our content, will look at you and give you the A-OK sign. <laughs> You will get that experience if you donate to our Patreon. You have to donate about $40,000, but if you give us that much a month, we we will, <laughs> we will send you a little girl in a rainbow cardigan. <laughs> Andrew, who is currently supporting us on Patreon? <laughs> Uh, Melissa Goldman, Terry Needleman, John Donna, Max Lunig, Lily Ackles, Peasant Chick, Jess the Stampede, Ewan Cassidy, Taskier, Fire of September, Monica Thoreau, Mina Maniri, Brent Black, Haley Murray, Alice in Wonderland, B-Way Flicks, Nathaniel Stacy Coombe, Joseph Evans-Green, Carrie Ahern, Irigail Drouet Whiter, Christine Malmodel, Cole Birchfield, Mary Lou Choquette, John Vanals, Holy Stickality, Russ Walker, Musical Hell, Emily Grace, Andrew Van Barson, Emily Stack, Tablam, uh, Kyle Summers, Janae C, Kyle, Christina Francis, Jess A, Skyler, Liz Lim, Corey Wilmarth, Allison Stuller, Nothing is Certain Except Beth and Taxes, Elizabeth, Thespian, Ren Cullen, Wait in the Wings, Lady Malvolia, Spectacle Machine, Jacob Stroop, uh, Raphael Martinez Salas, J Asterix, uh, Robert Benjamin, and Rochelle. These folks give us a little extra financial support that helps us keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. If you'd like to join them in supporting us and get tons of fun perks, such as patron-only commentaries, our episodes a day earlier, even earlier, come join us over at Patreon. People are going to start to think we're alright if you keep doing the OK side. We're going to get pictures posted of us doing this. and <laughs> The context matters, people! Context doesn't matter. If you do the OK sign, you are a Nazi. Alright, guys, let's get on to the rest of the show. <laughs> Let's talk about I've Got a Crow. Of course, I did nothing. You're conceited. Conceited? Not me. It's just that I am what I am. And I'm me. When I look at myself, and I see in myself all the wonderful things that I see, if I'm pleased with myself, I have every good reason to be I got a crow ah, ah, ah. I'm just the cleverest fella T'was ever my fortune to know ah, ah, ah. I taught a trick to my shadow To stick to the tip of my toe I got a crow Oh, I've got a crow uh, is this the, the the Peter Pan song where he's kind of just singing about how great he is? Yes, it is that. <laughs> I I don't really know the song. It's all of the songs in this show are kind We're of that, like old that. time That's the reason musical why I style. Want, I brought this up to you earlier today because yeah, this is interesting that there's a, like two two sets yeah, of composers. I, so you've got the one set that wrote a majority of it. And you've got different yeah. composers and lyricists. Then you got the super famous one of Jules Stein and Compton and Green, who wrote a bunch of other songs that are mixed in there. I I think this I've got a crow song is is okay. I, I'm not like super impressed by it personally, but Well, which which composing team do you think did it? 
is my first thing. The I I honestly don't have no idea. I don't I don't know the style. It's not a style. It's just quality and memorability. Cause I don't like I Got a Crow. I, it's pointless, and it should be in the quote unquote I want song section, and it isn't. It is a song well, about how I, great I am. I, I think it is an I want song. Peter Pan wants himself so badly. Uh, <laughs> that's about all he wants. <laughs> I mean, he wants to be loved. He is. He wants his mommy. I mean, on the real, Peter Pan's I want song should be like give me mommy or something <laughs> i want a mother please he's like homelander he really is though he is kind of the yeah you say that now i can't get out of my head yeah peter pan is homelander he can fly too he's got his band of lost boys that he thinks are dispensable yep and he God. kills if and they, he kills if they don't uh obey him yeah exactly man you you, you you've opened my eyes here but no, that was done by um, Charlap and Lee, who is the lesser known ones, and they did a majority of these. And I don't much like the songs that they did, and I don't think they're as pervasive. But now we're going to go on to another song that I okay. think is much better, called Never Never Land. I have a place where dreams are born, and time is never planned. It's not on any chart You must find it with your heart Never, never land It might be miles beyond the moon Or right there where you stand Just keep an open mind And then suddenly you'll find Never, never land You'll have a treasure if you stay there More precious far than gold For once you have found your way there You can never, never grow old And that's my home And your heart will fly on wings forever in never, never land. Yeah, this is uh, where he's just describing where he's from or whatever. Oh. Yeah, and it's beautiful. It's poetic. Like, melodically, it is gorgeous. It is kind of the one recurring theme through it. It ends the show. Yeah, there... This whole act one kind of just feels like filler in a way. Like, a lot of it. Um, but this particular song is pretty good. I just don't know if it has much, like, story drive to it, like, at all. Um, I mean, it kind of sets up the world in a way that we need to do, because you can't... We, as human beings, that know the story of Peter Pan back and forth just because of cultural things, we don't need that. We know what Neverland is, just from ca- context. Clues ne- never Neverland. Ne- Neverland is, is, a, is a different place. That's where Michael Jackson had in his yeah. backyard. Yes. Um, Never Never Land um, is this fantasy world, and you kind of want to build it up as an idea so that when you get there in Act 2, it kind of can surpass your expectations. And I think this is a beautiful way to do that. And 
spoilers, this is done by Jules Stein, Comden, and Green, which explains why it sounds so different than anything else in this first act. <clears throat> like, I don't really want to talk about I'm Flying, but I'm Flying is so simple. The where only it's like, thing of note about I'm Flying is the effects that is going on while it's yes. happening. The lyrics are just like, look at me way up high, suddenly here I am, I'm flying. That is repeated over and over. Wow, they're doing it. Honestly, when I'm thinking of the I'm flying, I'm, I'm actually thinking of the Disney song, I think. the uh, like You can fly, you, that one. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a better song i think <laughs> yes and that's kind of a part part and parcel reason why a lot of peter pan musicals don't work where you just kind of are like i'm trapped in the disney version which i feel like a lot of times this sidesteps by doing something completely different yeah um but in here there's only so many ways you can say i can fly or i am flying yeah i mean maybe you could write the song differently <laughs> I think uh, you probably could have had them start flying while he's singing the Never Neverland song. Yeah, but the boys weren't up. That's supposed to be an intimate moment between Peter and Wendy. Yeah. Maybe could have just written a different song for when they fly. Or just have like a chorus. <laughs> like, I'm Flying works. It's just not a particularly memorable song. In the first, like, let's say, how long is that opening scene? Like 30, 45 minutes? That I want to say, probably like, yeah, like, probably like 40 <laughs> minutes. There's only one song that I like, and it's Never Neverland, and it's by Comden and Green and Jewel Stein. Yeah, but I mean, you like all the stuff with the dog, right? I like the book. I think the book is great, but that's by J.M. Barry that comes from the original actual book novel. All right, well, let's go. Let's go Act Two. What do we? What do we got that's good in Act Two? I really like Hook's Tango. <laughs> Unrip your plan, Captain. To cook a cake quite large and fill each layer in between with icing mixed with poison till it turns a tempting green. We'll place it near the house just where the boys are sure to come. And being greedy, they won't care to question such a plum. The boys who have no mother sweet no one to show them their mistake Won't know it's dangerous to eat So damp and rich a cake And so before the winking of an eye Those boys will eat that poison cake And one by one they'll die I think... All of the stuff where Hook, like, calls up his band is hilarious. Like, the pirates are just always on the ready to play to play a song for him. Actually, now that I think about it, Hook's Tango isn't really a song. It's more like a, a patter of ideas. There's no melody. There's no, like, thing. He's just, like, kind of spitting out ideas. Yeah, but it's funny. <laughs> it, is fun. it is funny. But I think there's a better song in Act 3 that I think is the best version of it. You mean Hook's Waltz? Yes, we'll talk about that later. I think the joke keeps getting funnier, though, because the pirates yes. are just ready to play music. They're just like... It is hilarious. <laughs> but I think this this um, Hook's Tango and also the Tarantella 
are also are both not as good as Hook's Waltz. In well, the, Hook's Waltz is is the the climax of the joke. The first two are kind of like, hey, we're setting it up, but it's gonna be big. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll talk about that later. But once again, everything in Act Two, except um, for a few decided differences, are mostly by Carol Lee and Moose Charlap. Uh, Act Two feels a bit weak. Like on the on the actual, I don't remember that many songs from Act Two. Uh, I do remember Uggawug. I want to talk about one before there. <laughs> we'll talk about. Th- we'll get there. Believe me, we can't avoid that song. We got to get there. Okay. Um, I want to talk about Windy for a minute. Okay. Let's be quiet as a mouse and build a lovely little house for Wendy. Oh, for Wendy, she's come to stay. Home sweet home upon the wall, a welcome mat down in the hall for Wendy. So that Wendy won't go away. She'll bring to us Make us pockets pockets. And sing to us Tell us stories We've been longing to hear Over and over She'll be waiting at the door We won't be lonely anymore Since Wendy Lovely Wendy's here to stay What do you got to say about this one? This is another uh, Jewel Stein, Comden, and Green one. It mm-hmm. is melodic. It is an actual verse, chorus, verse, musical number. Yeah. And it works in a way where you kind of understand the reason why people want Wendy around and their goals for her. Whereas in the book, in the novelization, of the novel of Peter Pan, they keep saying, I want to have a mother for just because I want to have a mother because the idea of motherhood is so appealing to lost boys and people that don't have parents. Which kind of works, but also you get that Oedipal feeling from it, especially because Wendy's so in love with Peter and wants to kiss him at every turn and all that. Which, yep. there is that Oedipus complex side of that. Where I think this song does a good good like league of work to get you to feel the innocence of it. Where they describe the specific things they want from Wendy. Which is, we want her to tell us stories, make us pockets, and be nice to us and help us to guide us which is missing throughout all the other versions and i feel like this does a good league of work towards that so you think it's better to have actual reasons and not have it just be i want mommy yes i want mommy drink milky and penis (laughs) you can't just drop a pete Buttigieg quote right in the middle of the episode (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll go um, One more, one what? more. What you got? Another one you want to talk about? <laughs> this one's actually famous, and it's me giving Charlap and Leah credit for what what it's worth. Okay. Um. So Moose and our uh, Charlap and Lee wrote "I Won't Grow Up," which is probably the most famous song from this. Not me. Not me. I won't grow up. I won't grow up. I don't wanna wear a tie. I don't wanna wear a tie. Or a serious expression. Or a serious expression. In the middle of July. In the middle of July. And if it means I must prepare the shoulder burns with a worried air. 
I've never heard of it. It is so prevalent outside of this musical that I heard it like 45 times before I even saw this musical. And I saw this musical when I was very young. I was like four. It's the only one that has had a life outside of this and also kind of does a good league of storytelling effort for Peter Pan. But it's also completely superfluous and kind of useless because we've already set up Peter Pan doesn't want to grow up. Yeah, we set that up like... Literally the first time we met him. But iconic is iconic, and things that live the test of time are worth bringing up. And this is one of the songs from this that has aged particularly well, is still being sung today by, like... I sang it in my choir as a child, like, with a bunch of other kids. Like, it, it, it is an important song. Then how do I not know about these things? You I didn't grow I... up as a theater kid, like, literally a kid put into theater. I must grow up under rocks or something. I've never heard of this song before I watched it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but uh, it was pretty famous for my my time. But also, I was kind of always in that world. All right, can we talk about fucking Uggawug now? Yes, we can talk about Uggawug. <laughs> When we get in trouble, there's just one thing to do. I'll just send for Tiger Lily. I'll just send for Peter Pan. We'll be coming willy-nilly-lily. Beat on a drum. And I will come. And I will come and save a brave noble warrior. I like all the drum stuff. It's cool. 
that was added for the 90s production. So we're going to talk okay. about this. Well, the Uggawug. 90s production is great. Give, then. give us some context of why Uggawug is being sung. Oh, God. Is there context? Uh, they, the Lost Boys and in, in the in the Indians have a like a treaty thing. And yeah, they're, they they're gonna, have a peace pipe and all that. Yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna help fight the uh, they're gonna help fight the pirates. Yes, and this song was the sim- like basically like yeah we we're friends now song. Yeah, uh, I I honestly don't have any real opinion on the Uggawug thing. Other the than, Uggawug isn't a thing though. Yeah, other other than like don't. Uggawug? What? Don't do that. Don't, uh, the, don't the, Uggawug. The drums are cool, though. I like all the drum stuff that they did in the version that I saw. Yes, and that was an, a 90s edition because Stomp had just come out, and they were like, you know, we want to do that in our thing. Wait, what came out? Stomp, you know, that musical... Well, not really a musical. That review where they just bang on trash cans and shit? Damn, I've, I don't know that. Can we talk about that? <laughs> it's just a bunch of... Musicians up banging on trash cans. Is it like Blue Man Group, but like earlier? Yes, it is exactly like Blue Man Group. Okay, not as well, much Blue, fun as Blue Man Group. Blue Man Group's kind of cool. Uh, this is kind of cool. I like I like the whole drum thing. I think it's cool. I think it looks incredible. Like it is great, and I wish they would keep it in other productions. But also, it's probably racist in ways that we don't it's, even know. You know. Uggawug's a really racist song, guys. If if you're gonna have a song called Uggawug and you're worried that the drum part is gonna be racist, like come on, just get, get out of here. <laughs> but in the more recent Christopher Walken production, they do change it up a bit to be a little more progressive. Yeah, we we, we talked about it. What do they call it? Oahe. Oahe. I think that's it. Yeah. What does that mean? Um, well, let's find out. Actually, Bree. Can you look up what the Indian translation lyrics in the most recent production of Peter Pan what what it means? I'm interested because, to I'm interested to see what the what the lyrics they came up with for this song mean. That, that is a good point and something I have not even thought about cuz they were kind of like jerking themselves off about like we hired all indigenous people and then we had an indigenous like reference to make sure that we were doing this the best way. We wanted to make sure our racial stereotypes were as accurate as possible. Yeah, we want to make sure our stereotypes are accurate.
Okay, can I just read to you what the consultant had to say about Uggawug? Because I feel like that's worth bringing up. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so he was asked about his relationship between um, coming into this new Peter Pan production and translating all, being a consultant as the Native American person. He said, I'll tell you exactly what I helped address. There were three things that I was able to bring to the table to help reconstitute the piece. The first thing is the opening rhythm. There's a very clear colengo that's done with the strings in the very opening that sounds drum-like, but also sounds stick-like, which is actually accurate to the northeastern part of the country with Indians. We adjusted the accents of these constant eighth note beats so it sounded more like Iroquois smoke dance rather than the stereotypical one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, you know, that kind of thing. So we adjusted the opening rhythm so it sounded more authentic. It's a small cleanup than the person asked, but it's moved the rhythmic to be from being generic and so stereotypical to something specific and therefore authentic. So that is more what they tried to do. And he said, the trick is, to be honest with you, most Americans aren't going to know the difference, but at least we do. Intellectually, we know, and musically, we know. There was a small adjustment. It still sounds a little stereotypical. That can't go away because we are also present preserving the integrity of the original compositions, and those original compositions were very stereotypical. But they weren't just stereotypical about Indians. They're stereotypical about all things things they address within peter pan that's musical theater there's something that we accept about musical theater musical theater thrives on stereotypes and all that um the next example i have is what i call the indian breakdown in uggawug song it's really campy british musical theater song and then it has the indian breakdown where the tune goes like you know where it's like ah, 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 ah that part um, it's the stereotypical Indian sounding thing. We were kind of looking for different tunes, but it doesn't matter what tune you use because the flavor of that is stereotypical Indian sound. So the musical director was brilliant. He added some different rhythms in there and all that. And then one of the really big thing is we worked around the replacement lyrics of Uggawug. Just a little background. In general, what we all know is that the Indian tribe that's represented in Peter Pan was influenced by knowledge of Northeast Indians of the United States. So we're talking Iroquois, Huron, Wyandotte, Alaquin, these kind of cultural regions. So what I did was set out to find a replacement word for Uggawug, and that was literally a Wyandotte word. The actual words haven't been revealed yet because they didn't do it. Um, so I'm still very curious what they did it. Um, but that's what he went into the musical trying to do with Uggawug and how they changed it from being a little less racist. That answer your question, Andrew. It didn't fully answer my question, but you know what? I feel a little more educated, so. And I think our audience is equally more educated. Boy, aren't we progressive? <laughs> Boy, we really, we've really done it here. We've solved racism yet again. Okay. We, just keep, talk- we just keep doing it. <laughs> Every week, we just keep on, you know, fixing racism. <laughs> Us three white people, we fix racism. But you didn't do anything. <laughs> We fixed Peter Pan. <laughs> All right. So you want to talk about what? Distant melody? Yes. Child, my very own, don't be 
song was sung to me. Now it's just a distant melody. Somewhere from the past I used to know Once upon a time and long ago Act 2 closer and it's not the end of the show and that's a new one <laughs> <laughs> Distant Melody, I think, is an actively beautiful song. Like, it is gorgeous. Okay. Um, For one, it recharacterizes Peter Pan as someone that has a lot of baggage from his past. Do you actually know what happened with Peter Pan? Like, his origin story? They don't really go into it here. They try to in the live version with Christopher Walken, and it's bad. But it's important for this song. Didn't he, like, run away? And then he thought that his parents replaced him. That's what they did in this song, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so he runs away as an infant. Tinkerbell finds him, takes him to Neverland. Then he comes back wanting to see his parents again. And they had a second child. And he says they replaced him. Yeah. So he's literally like a selfish idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, but I guess we knew that. <laughs> that characterizes this song where he's like nostalgic for his actual mother and remembers his actual mother yeah so really the villain is tinkerbell real i mean that's always been the case like even in the disney movie she partners up with captain hook yeah but tinkerbell like actually kind of kidnaps a baby (laughs) yeah it's even weirder in the movie hook where she's played by julia roberts and she's adult julia roberts kidnapping infant peter pan and then falls in love with infant peter pan when he she he becomes Robin Williams. Wow, this is a, that's nice. <laughs> I what do you think of the song, Andrew? Um, I I don't mind the song that much. I kind of question the placement of it a little bit. Uh, just as like this, I mean, I guess when you have a three act show, it's weird. I kind of imagine this would be like the act one closer in a traditional show the way they have it set up but like it doesn't i don't know it doesn't like set up anything (laughs) no it doesn't it's just (laughs) painting peter pan's backstory and trying to make you feel a little sorry for him yeah which it doesn't do a great job of because as anyone other than like a small child watching you're like wait his parents probably didn't replace him he was in neverland he probably they probably thought he died <laughs> I would be very interested in an adaptation of Peter Pan actually addressing his relationship with his brother. I mean, he probably went back and killed his brother at some point. That sounds like something Peter Pan would do, to be honest. <laughs> you replaced me! Ah! Stab him with a fucking dagger in the night. <laughs> All right, the final song we gotta talk about um, is Captain Hook's Waltz which is the only Captain Hook song written by Compton and Green and Jewel Stein, and it is the best Captain Hook song. There's the swiniest swine in the world Captain Hook, Captain Hook Who's the dirtiest dog in this wonderful world? Captain Hook, Captain Hook Captain of villainy Isn't cute. 
out. There's the slimiest rat in the pack. Captain Hook. Captain Hook. Who's unlovable? You. Who's unlivable? You. Whose existence is just unforgettable? Who it's to the lowest and cheapest of tricks in the book? Tricks in the book. It's like it's like actually a a pretty good one. I like it's it. It's great. It just Captain Hook. Captain Hook. Captain Hook. Oh, it's good. this wonderful world, Captain Hook. You, it kind of gets you like really pumped up about Captain Hook. It really like, does. Right before he dies, which kind of stinks. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does, and he like voluntarily <laughs> dies in a weird way. Yeah, it's just like man, you're really gonna let Peter Pan win. Like, after we just got that song about Captain Hook? About how <laughs> fucking awesome he... That's the last, like, non-reprise of the musical. Yeah. The last one is, the is like, kind of the actual villain song. <laughs> the rest of it is, like, Tender Shepherd reprise, We Will Grow Up, which is... Yeah. This is the most fun song in the show, the best Captain Hook number, and Captain Hook has, like, a lot of fun numbers. Yeah. And the epitome of why the Comden and Green and Jules Stein songs work so much better than all the rest. If you look on the actual Peter Pan Wikipedia page, I was shocked to discover that all the songs that I liked were the Comden and Green Jules Stein ones. <laughs> and all the ones that I was like, eh, were the, you know, Moose Charlap and Carol Lee, Carolyn Lee. You know, I, I don't much like um, all the rest of them. So maybe Jules Stein and Comden and Green probably should have written the rest of the musical, in my opinion. I don't know. It might have been a coincidence, Jess. Um, maybe that one critic was right, um, and this is a patchwork show. I mean, that seems pretty obvious if there's this many writers on it. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think we've made it to the end, which means, Andrew, what is your overall thoughts on Peter Pan and your cheese rating? Um, all right. My overall thoughts. Well, it's okay. <laughs> I, I mean, if you have like a little kid, they'll probably enjoy it more than you will. Uh, if you have a, a, a little girl in a rainbow cardigan, I mean, I guess they're going to really enjoy it. <laughs> they're going to um, enjoy the racism of Ugalug. <laughs> they're going to flash you that okay sign. Uh, <laughs> um... I don't know. There's parts of it that I did really like, namely anytime Captain Hook was on screen. Uh, <laughs> and there was parts that I was kind of just like, man, be nice if this ended soon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Act three is where it really gets good. I feel like act one and two are kind of a like a drag for most of it. Um, but act three is pretty fun. Pretty nice. Uh, let's see. Cheese rating. Um, well, uh, I actually just found out from, from Google searching here, um, 
There is a uh, a small mouse named Cheese in in the Disney franchise Tinkerbell. Um, so I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it that. That's my cheese rating. Is this mouse named Cheese from the Tinkerbell movie franchise? You know what? That's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> ten out of ten. Um, I am going to give this. Oh wait, no, Bree. What was your overall rating of our discussion and your cheese rating? Um, I thought this was a fantastic um, discussion. We ripped apart that damn terrible review. Um, <laughs> we conquered racism once again, boys. Uh, once again, every we time fixed we're racism. pounding racism into the dirt here at Musicals with Cheese. Along with that little girl. <laughs> We beat- Fuck that little girl, that racist Nazi little girl, <laughs> pretending to be like a LGBT supporter with her fucking rainbow cardigan. Oh, crypto fascist over here. That's what she is. <laughs> so, I'm going to give that terrible review um, the worst rated cheese, which is, I think it's Kasu Marzu. Um, and that's it one sounds of- like it sounds like it tastes terrible. <laughs> sounds I think it translates to rotten cheese. So oh, so that's yeah. gonna be my review, or that's gonna be my cheese rating this week for that off, mainly for that awful review. I'm so glad I read that awful review. I, I think <laughs> I really brought that to life. To be honest, you so. did. You, I was a brought, little jealous, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. We all got one this week. Yeah, it was though. nice. It's a Thanksgiving miracle, cause Happy Thanksgiving again. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. But you know what my cheese rating is, because I do like this show quite a bit, and it was a nostalgic piece of my childhood. Um, some one of my first musicals I saw live. The first musical where I actually met the actors afterwards and talked to them. It was wonderful. Um, but it has an age grade. It's got some things. Everything's got things, and it's not perfect. And it was interesting to learn who wrote what songs and how this show came together. And also, fuck that review. <laughs> but my cheese rating is Elvis Grilled Cheese Sandwich, which is a grilled cheese with bananas, bacon, cheese, and peanut butter. And I'm choosing Peter Pan peanut butter. Disgusting. That actually does sound disgusting. I'm just going to throw that out there. Oh, yeah. That sounds good, but I wanted, to sque- I wanted to squeeze Peter Pan peanut butter in there somewhere. Peanut peanut butter. But do you know what isn't disgusting, Andrew? Uh, our beautiful patrons. Our beautiful patrons. Thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Musicals with Cheese. Leave us a review. Tell Talk about how we solved racism. We just keep doing it. We're doing it again and again. Every week. We just... <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Cheesy Musicals, Patreon Musicals with Cheese, Instagram Musicals with Cheese, YouTube page Musicals with Cheese. Our patron-only podcast is Glee with Cheese. Our emails, musicaltheaterlives at gmail.com. We have a transcriber for this podcast, and she's lovely, uh, Masha Litvinava. We love her a lot, and we're so glad to have her on our team. Our title card is created by the amazing Jolene Casco. Instagram her at Jolene Casco. Our keeper of the cheese is the wonderful Juliet Antonio. Thank you, Juliet, for constantly keeping track of our cheese ratings, because God knows we're not going to do it. Um, <laughs> this show is produced by the amazing, the wonderful, the sweet, the kind, the wonderful, living, it's fucking Brianna Jones! We love her so much. Thank you to the Broadway Podcast Network for having us on the platform. You know what? You're welcome, Broadway Podcast Network, for solving racism every week. We keep doing it.
We're the only ones out here solving it. We're not just talking about it. We've solved it. (laughs) Just for the record of actual reality, in the bio of every single one of our episodes, please donate to Black Lives Matter. In these times, there's probably going to be a lot of people that need that. Uh, Because we are are actually not solving racism by talking about it. No, we're not doing a goddamn thing. We're we're honestly (laughs) just hurt. Honestly, if anything, we're hurting the, the, the problems out there. We're hurting racism, fellas. That you heard it from Jess. He said it. <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess like solving racism is a lot like hurting racism. <laughs> All right, guys. Do we have anything else left to say before we wrap this up on this beautiful Thanksgiving morning? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> Oh boy! All right, we've un- we have unsolved racism. It's- <laughs> yeah, oh, no, racism's back. Oh, get away! All right, guys, we'll see oh, you next boy. time on Musicals with Cheese. <laughs> little girl in a cardigan gushed on me the outside, and that little girl was my daughter. Would you believe that? My pleasure was watching her pleasure. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.